Chapter twenty three of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter twenty three. Grace meets a distinguished character. June had come, bringing with it the trials and tribulations of final examinations. The days grew long and sunny, roses nodded from every bush, but the pupils of Oakdale's two high schools were far too busy to think about the beauty of the weather. Golf, tennis, baseball, and other outdoor sports were sternly put aside, and the usual season of cramming set in. Young faces wore an almost tragic expression, and back lessons were reviewed with desperate zeal. Grace Harlowe had crammed as assiduously as the rest for a day or two. She was particularly shaky on her geometry. She went over her theorems until she came to triangles, then she threw the book down in disgust. "'What's the use of cramming?' she said to herself. "'If I keep on, I won't even be able to remember that the hypotenuse of a right-angled triangle is equal to the sum of the squares of the two other sides. I'm in a muddle over these triangles now. I'll find the girls and get them to go to the woods with me. I really ought to collect a few more botany specimens.' Grace's specimens were a source of keen delight to her girlish heart. She didn't care so much about pressing and mounting them. It was the joy she experienced in being in the woods that, to her, made botany the most fascinating of studies. She poked into secluded spots unearthing rare specimens. Her collection was already overflowing, still she could never resist adding just a few more. She was doomed to disappointment as far as Nora and Jessica were concerned. Both girls mournfully shook their heads when invited to specimen hunting, declaring regretfully they were obliged to study. Anne was at Mrs. Gray's, attending to the old lady's correspondence. This had been her regular task since the beginning of the freshman year, and she never failed to perform it. "'Oh, dear, I wish examinations and school were over,' Grace sighed impatiently. "'I can't go to the woods alone, and I can't get anyone to go with me. I suppose I'll have to give it up and go home.' "'No, I won't, either. I'll go as far as the old omnibus house. There are lots of wild plants in the orchard surrounding it, and I may get some new specimens.' With her basket on her arm, Grace turned her steps in the direction of the old house. She had not been there since the day of their reunion. She smiled to herself as she recalled the absurdities of that occasion. After traversing the orchard several times and finding nothing startling in the way of specimens, Grace concluded that she might as well have stayed at home. She walked slowly over to the steps and sat down, placing the basket beside her. "'How lonely it seems here today,' she thought. "'I wonder where old John is. I haven't seen him for an age.' Then she fell to musing over the school year so nearly ended. Everything that had happened passed through her mind like a panorama. It had been a stormy year, full of quarrels and bickerings, but it was about to end gloriously. Anne and Miriam had become the best of friends, while she and Julia Crosby were daily finding out each other's good qualities. There was nothing left to be desired.' Grace started from her dream and looked at her watch. It was after six o'clock. She'd better be getting back. She rose and reached for her basket. Suddenly, a figure loomed up before her. Grace started in surprise to find herself facing a tall, thin man with wild, dark eyes. He stood with folded arms, regarding her fixedly. Why, where? But she got no further, for the curious newcomer interrupted her. Ah, Josephine, he said, so I have found you at last. "'My name isn't Josephine at all. It's Grace Harlowe, and you have made a mistake,' said Grace, endeavouring to pass him. But he barred her way, saying sadly, "'What, do you two pretend? Do you think I do not know you? I, your royal husband, Napoleon Bonaparte?' "'Good gracious!' gasped Grace. "'He's crazy as can be. However shall I get away from him?' The man heard the word crazy and exclaimed angrily, "'How dare you call me crazy? You of all people should know I am sane. I have just returned from Isle of St. Helena to claim my empire.' For years I have been an exile, but now I am free, free, he waved his arms wildly. Yes, of course I know you now, said Grace, thinking to mollify him. How strange that I didn't recognize you before. 
then she remembered reading in the paper of the preceding night of the escape of a dangerous lunatic from the state asylum that was situated a few miles from oakdale this must be the man grace decided that he answered the description the paper had given she realized that she would have to be careful not to anger him it would require strategy to get clear of him it's time you remembered me returned napoleon bonaparte petulantly they told me that you had died years ago but i knew better now that i have found you we'd better start for france at once have you your court robes with you and what have you done with your crown you are dressed like a peasant he was disdainfully eyeing her brown linen gown in spite of her danger grace could scarcely repress a laugh it all seemed so ludicrous then a sudden thought seized her you see i have nothing fit to travel in she said suppose you wait here for me while i go back to town and get my things then i can appear properly at court no you don't said napoleon promptly a cunning expression stealing into his face if you go you'll never come back i need your influence at the royal court and i can't afford to lose you i am about to conquer the world i should have done it long ago if those villains hadn't exiled me and locked me up he walked back and forth muttering to himself still keeping his eye on grace for fear that she might escape ah oh, what shall i do thought the terrified girl goodness knows what he'll think of next he may keep me here until dark and i shall die if i have to stay here until then i must get away grace knew that it would be sheer folly to try to run her captor would overtake her before she had gone six yards not to mention the fit of rage her attempted flight would be likely to throw him into she anxiously scanned the neighbouring fields in the hope of seeing old jean the hunter he was usually not far away but look as she might she could discover no sign of him there was only one thing in her favour it would be light for some time yet being june the darkness would not descend for two hours she must escape but how was she to do it she racked her brain for some means of deliverance but received no inspiration again she drew out her watch then her eye rested for a second on the little key that hung on her watch-chain it was the key to the lean-to in which david kept his aeroplane like a flash the way was revealed to her but would she be able to carry out the daring design that had sprung into her mind she would try at any rate with an unconcern that she was far from feeling grace walked carelessly toward the door of the lean-to the demented man was beside her in a twinkling he clutched grace by the arm with a force that made her catch her breath what are you trying to do he exclaimed glaring at her savagely didn't i tell you that you couldn't go away he held her at arm's length with one hand and threateningly shook his finger at her remember once and for all that i am your emperor and must be obeyed disregard my commands and you shall pay the penalty with your life what is the life of one like you to me when i hold the fate of nations in my hands perhaps it would be better to put an end to you now women are ever given over to intriguing and deception you might betray me to my enemies yet i believed you loyal in the past i indeed i have always been loyal my emperor interrupted grace eagerly how can you doubt me her situation was becoming more precarious with every minute she must persuade this terrible individual that she was necessary to his plans if she wished to get away with her life i have your welfare constantly at heart she continued have you ever thought of flying to our beloved france in the shed behind me is a strange ship that flies through the air its sails are like the wings of a bird and it flies with the speed of the wind it waits to carry us across the sea it's called an aeroplane i have heard of such things said napoleon when i was in exile a fool who came to visit me showed me a picture of one he told me it could fly like a bird but he lied i believe you are lying too he added looking at her suspiciously let me prove to you that i am not grace answered trying to appear calm though ready to collapse under the terrible strain of the part she was being forced to play do you see this key it unlocks the door that leads to the flying ship would you not like to look at it she said coaxingly very well but be quick about it i have already wasted too much time with you i must be off before my enemies find me you must release my arm or i cannot unlock the door grace said oh yes you can rejoined napoleon not relaxing his grip for an instant 
"'Do you think I'm going to run any risk of losing you?' As she turned the key, he swung her to one side and, opening the door, peered cautiously in. For a moment he stood like a statue, staring in wonder at David's aeroplane. Then, with a loud cry that froze the blood in Grace's veins, he threw up his arms and rushed madly into the shed, shouting, "'We shall fly! Fly! Fly!' With a sob of terror, Grace slammed the door and turned the key. She was not an instant too soon. Napoleon Bonaparte reached it with a bound and threw himself against it, uttering blood-curdling shrieks. The frightful sounds came to Grace's ears as she tore across the field in the direction of Oakdale. Terror lent wings to her feet. Every second was precious. She did not know how long the door would stand against the frantic assaults of the maniac. She had reached the road when, to her joy and relief, she beheld half a dozen men approaching. Stumbling blindly toward them, she panted out, "'The crazy man! I locked him! In the omnibus house! Here is the key!' She gave a long, shuddering sigh, and for the first time in her life, sturdy Grace Harlow fainted. The men picked her up tenderly. "'Here, Hampton,' said one of them, "'take this child over to the nearest house. She is all in. By George, I wonder whether she has locked that lunatic up? Something has certainly upset her. We better get over there right away and see what we can find out.' The man addressed as Hampton picked Grace up as though she had been a baby, and carried her to a house a little further up the road. Meanwhile the men hurried on, arriving at the omnibus house just as Napoleon succeeded in breaking down the door. Before he could elude them he was seized by five pairs of stalwart arms. He fought like a tiger, making it difficult to bind him. This was finally accomplished, though they were obliged to carry him, for he had to be tied up like a papoose to keep him from doing damage. He raved continually over the duplicity of Josephine, threatening dire vengeance when he should find her. When Grace came to herself, she looked about her in wonder. She was lying on a comfortable couch in a big, cheerful sitting-room. A kindly-faced woman was bathing her temples, while a young girl chafed her hands. "'Where am I?' said Grace feebly. "'Did Napoleon get out?' "'Lie still and rest, my dear,' said Mrs. Forrest. "'Don't try to exert yourself.' Grace sat up and looked about her. "'Oh, I know what happened. I fainted. How silly of me. I never did that in my life before. I had a terrible scare, but I'm all right now.' The man who had carried her to the house came forward. "'My name is Hampton, miss. I am a guard over at the asylum. Those other men you saw are employed there, too. We were looking for one of our people who escaped night before last. He nearly killed his keeper. He's the worst patient we have out there. Thinks he's Napoleon. Judging from your fright, I guess you must have met him. Did you really lock him in that old house?' "'Indeed I did,' answered Grace, who was rapidly recovering from the effects of her fright. "'He took me for the Empress Josephine.' She related all that had happened, ending with the way she locked his emperorship in. "'Well, all I've got to say is that you're the pluckiest girl I ever came across,' said the man admiringly, when Grace had finished. But she shook her head. "'I never was so frightened in my life before. I shall never forget his screams.' It was after eight o'clock when Grace Harlow arrived at her own door. The man Hampton had insisted on calling a carriage, so Grace rode home in state. As she neared the house, she saw that the lawn and porch were full of people. "'What on earth is the matter?' she asked herself. As she alighted from the carriage, her mother rushed forward and took her in her arms. "'My darling child,' she sobbed, "'what a narrow escape you have had. "'You must never, never wander off alone again. "'Why, mother, how do you know anything about it? "'When you didn't come home to supper, I felt worried, "'for you had not told me that you were invited anywhere. "'Then Nora came down to see you "'and seemed surprised not to find you at home. "'She said you had gone on a specimen hunt after school. "'I became frightened and sent your father out at once to look for you. "'He met the keepers with that dreadful man,' said Mrs. Harlow, shuddering, "'and they described you, telling him where you were and how they had met you. "'Your father went straight out to the forests. "'I suppose you just missed him.' "'Grace hugged her mother tenderly. "'Don't worry, mother, I'm all right. "'What are all these people standing around for?' They came to see you, of course. The news is all over the town. Everyone is devoured with curiosity to hear your story. It looks as though I had become a celebrity at last, laughed Grace. 
She was obliged to tell the story of her adventure over and over again that night to her eager listeners. Her chums hung about her adoringly. Hippy, Reddy, and David were fairly beside themselves. "'Oh, you lunatic snatcher!' cried Hippy, throwing up his hat to express his feelings. "'You never dreamed that the little key you gave me would prove my salvation,' said Grace to David, as her friends bade her good night. "'It surely must have been fate.'" End of chapter 23